0: continuing our year-long series this morning 52 greatest stories and we're using our companion book uh, the 52 greatest stories of the Bible as our guide through our series this year the scriptures the Holy Bible of course is our foundation and we're going to be in 1st Kings chapter 19 this morning so if you want to turn there you're welcome to do that but what are the what comes to mind when you hear the words passing the torch passing the torch. It's its probably the Olympics. Probably the Olympics come to mind. And rightly so. The lighting of the Olympic flame at, at Olympia is a ceremony of great symbolic importance, one that binds the ancient and the modern version of the games firmly together. And the torch relay was actually an event in the ancient games in Olympia, where the ancient games were held, and and in modern times though of course, we know it is not an athletic event, but rather an integral part of uh, the countdown to the Olympic games. And the modern use of the Olympic flame began in 1936 in Germany. And it coincided with the advent of a long relay of runners carrying torches to bring the flame from Olympia to the site of the games. And once there, the torch is used to light the cauldron and that remains lit until it is extinguished at the closing ceremony, providing that enduring link between the ancient and the modern games. Could you imagine if instead of a relay, just one person was responsible for carrying the torch? From Olympia to wherever the games were being held that particular year, the whole distance was responsible to just one guy or one gal for the 29th olympic games if one person would carry the torch or would have carried the torch for the whole way it would have been 85,000 miles now that would have been quite the task it would have obviously have not been possible for one person to carry the torch It needed to be passed. Likewise, there must be a passing of the torch in order to carry out God's mission as well. That his truth would be told to the ends of the earth. That the disciples would be made and taught to obey the Lord's commands. It takes the passing of the torch. The task is too great. It requires many So today's message's title is Passing the Torch. Passing the Torch. Last week we looked at how Elijah, a regular ordinary guy just like us, was an instrument in God's plan in an extraordinary way. And Elijah prayed a prayer of discipline upon the apostate people of Israel in accordance to God's promise all with the intentions of turning the people's hearts back to the one true God. After three and a half years of no rain and no dew, the nation was suffering greatly. Food was scarce at best. And so God led Elijah to call for a duel with the prophets of Baal. And the result clearly demonstrated the futility of trusting in anyone or anything besides the one true God. Only the Lord is all-powerful. And he is faithful. The king of Israel at the time, wicked king Ahab, and his equally wicked and domineering wife, Jezebel, were not impressed with the outcome of the duel, nor the fact that all of Baal's prophets were dead, and Elijah was responsible. So Jezebel text-messaged Elijah. Well, not quite, but she did send a message to Elijah And she said this, may the gods strike me and even kill me if by this time tomorrow I have not killed you just of you as you have killed them. And what Elijah does in reaction to that declaration seems to be in contradiction with what we've seen thus far with with Elijah. He had displayed such boldness and power leading up to the duel and certainly during the duel. And the subsequent killing of the Baal prophets. And scripture tells us that Elijah was filled with fear though. And ran when he heard Jezebel's declaration. Her message. And he ran as far as he could. Finding a solitary broom tree. And then he told God. I've had enough Lord. End my life. I have failed. I'm no better than my ancestors who are already dead. And we read this after knowing what god had accomplished through him and we're like what elijah don't you know that god worked mightily through you you prayed and it didn't rain for three and a half years you prayed and god sent fire down to burn up the water soaked sacrifice you prayed for rain to come well okay it took him seven times of praying but nevertheless god sent the rain in response to elijah's prayer And yet he feels like a failure and wants to die. To us, it seems incredulous that after Elijah was used mightily by God, that he would be in this place. But that's how Elijah felt. He's no longer on the mountaintop, no longer on Mount Carmel. He's now in the desert of despondency. He had poured himself out spiritually and he was exhausted. He obviously wasn't thinking clearly, and he had removed himself from any support. Elijah was an ordinary, regular guy like us. Therefore, this can happen to us as well. It typically comes on the heels of some accomplishment. The best way, of course, to guard against this is to have a network of people around you that can speak life into your weary spirit, can gently remind you of God's greatness and his love for you, ushering you into the presence of the Holy Spirit so that the Spirit can tell you the truth that will replace the lies that are currently holding you in that place of discouragement and defeat. That group of support around you can encourage you to rest and not in a completely secluded way. Because isolation will only prolong and possibly intensify that discouragement. But that's where Elijah found himself to be. And so God stepped in and he cared for Elijah. He fed him. He gave him some rest. But then God questioned Elijah. What are you doing here? It's not that God didn't know why Elijah was there. But he was challenging Elijah's thinking. Why are you in this place of discouragement and feelings of failure? You don't need to stay in this place. Has anybody ever told you that you're responsible to God? I certainly hope so. But has anybody told you that you're not responsible for the results? I hope somebody has told you that as well. We should never give up being obedient just because we don't see the fruit of our labor. The results are up to God. Well, God went on to inform Elijah that he still had work for him to do. And so God, after he had fed him and given him some rest, he instructed Elisha to go and anoint Elisha, son of Shaphat, from the town of Abel-Mehoah, there is a word for you, as his replacement as prophet. It was a time of passing the torch. So before we read our passage this morning, starting with verse 19 of chapter 19, will you bow your heads and agree with me in prayer? Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, that we can look at it still this week and see that you used regular ordinary people like Elijah, who are also like us, to further your kingdom work. And so, Lord, we just pray that wherever you would have for us today, that you meet us right where we're at, that you take your word and that you would transform us through the power of it. And we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, again, 1 Kings chapter 19, starting with verse 19. The Bible says, So Elijah went and found Elisha, son of Shaphat, plowing a field. There were 12 teams of oxen in the field, and Elisha was plowing with the 12th team. Elijah went over to him and threw his cloak across his shoulders and then walked away. And I think about this, and of course, we think about the metal plows that we have today. Well, back then, their plows were made out of wood. Now it seems really crazy here in clay country, Um, but that's what they used. And the passing of the cloak, or mantle as some translations say, symbolized the fact that Elisha would now be a prophet with the same power and authority of Elijah. Elijah threw his cloak across Elisha's shoulders. Elijah was willing to pass the torch. And so the first point for this morning is, be willing to pass the torch. Many of you know that Pat and I were track and field runners and back in high school. and I had a tendency to stick more with the distance races. I just needed a whole lot more time, I guess. Um, Pat was the overachiever. And not only did he do distance running, he also did the sprints. He also did the field events. He also did the relays. But many of you know what I'm talking about when I say a relay. You've probably gone to the elementary track and field and watched your kids or your grandkids run, or maybe you had uh, athletes in high school as well. But but each team on a relay has has four runners, and each will run a consecutive leg of the race, handing off this about 12-inch pipe to the next person. And that pipe is called a baton. For some reason, the Minnesota State High School League doesn't let us use torches. So, so we used batons. Um, but they mark out on the track sections that they call exchange zones. And the baton has to be passed between those two markers or you'll be disqualified. And so the, the strategy, of course, is is that runners would have this smooth transition. In other words, if you're the that one that's going to be receiving the baton, you didn't want to start off too fast, making you know the, the runner that's coming up behind you with the baton run too far. You wanted to make sure that you started off fast enough, though, so that the runner didn't have to slow down and you lost precious time that way. And so it was something that we would practice, of course, in practice, because you didn't want that to add to your overall time. Of course, we also know that 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 Poor placing of the baton could cause you to drop it and have it roll out of your lane, again, disqualifying you. And so you wanted to have that smooth transition between the two runners. We wanted to have that solid handoff, all to keep that momentum going. Well, the passing of the torch between Elijah and Elisha was a smooth transition. God told Elijah to go and anoint Elisha. To hand off the office of prophet to Elisha. And Elijah obediently went. Elijah didn't cling on to the torch, refusing to let go of it. He didn't guard his position, he didn't hesitate in passing it off. He was bold. Elijah didn't question God's selection of a farmer being a prophet. Scripture doesn't indicate that Elijah was offended at being replaced. He humbly obeyed and he was willing to pass off the torch. Well, we as followers of Christ also have to be willing to be (laughs) passing the torch. We never know when God is going to have us move into a different position or maybe is going to call us home. We need to be investing in the next generation and passing the torch off to them. And I believe right now is a really critical time in our nation to be passing on our Christian faith to the next generation. They are not going to learn of biblical principles in schools. They aren't going to learn of biblical morality through society. They aren't going to hear the words of the faith unless they hear them from us, followers of Christ. It is our responsibility to pass it on. And the beautiful thing is it's a win-win situation. It's much like mentoring, where both parties have the opportunity for growth and to be blessed. Many of you know I'm a gardener. In fact, somebody asked me if I've planted the peas already. Yes, the pea jungle is officially planted. Don't know if it's up yet. But it's planted. But our, our grandsons, Hudson and Jack, they're six and a half and three and a half, came and were helping us out. And, and I had laid out some plastic along the garden edge because I wanted to kill off this creeping Charlie. Who knows what creeping Charlie is? Okay, thank you very much. It's running rampant, and it's wanting to take over my whole garden. And so I laid out plastic, hoping to smother it through the winter. I don't think I accomplished it. Um, but so we were trying to pull the plastic off because I'm probably going to have to go out with a shovel instead and dig it out. But Hudson and Jack were there that day and they were helping me pick up the little lawn staples and pull the plastic up. And and Hudson looked at me and he asked Grandma, why did you put this plastic down? And so I explained that I was trying to kill the creeping Charlie and because it'll. You asked why? I said, well, because it'll take over the whole garden if I don't. And and he looked at me and he said why did God create Creeping Charlie in the first place? (laughs) To talk about God has become natural for Hudson because we talk about our faith openly with our grandkids. And so I want to encourage you, don't think that young kids can't grasp the things of God. How much easier it is for them to learn when their brains are these massive, absorbent sponges. Because when we use our terms of faith in speech to our kids and our grandkids, those young people around us, it becomes a natural part of their vocabulary. It becomes a part of who they are. It makes us wonder what could our families, our communities, our schools, our nation, our world be like if we as followers of Jesus spoke openly to the young people in our lives. We want to make sure that the light of Christ is getting passed on. Take every opportunity God gives you. Be bold. Be willing to pass the torch secondly be willing to receive the torch continuing on with verse 20 of first kings chapter 19 the word said elisha left the oxen standing there ran after elijah and said to him first let me go and kiss my father and mother goodbye and then i will go with you elijah replied go on back but think about what I have done to you. You know, when I read this passage, I, I think about um, when I was ordained back in 2014. The Assemblies of God has a ceremony for that. And and they symbolically have a, a sash. It's, it's called the mantle, but it's it's a cloth sash. And the presbyter wears it at the beginning of the ceremony, and then they transfer that to the person who's being ordained. And it is a humbling experience to have that laid across your shoulders. And so, in a small way, I feel the humility that Elisha must have felt when Elijah laid his cloak upon his shoulders. Continuing with verse 21, it says, So Elisha returned to his oxen. And slaughtered them. He used the wood from the plow to build a fire to roast their flesh. He passed around the meat of the townspeople and they all ate. Then he went with Elijah as his assistant. Turning to our companion book, the author writes Elisha had it pretty good. He was the son of a wealthy landowner. When Elijah found him, he was plowing a field with 24 oxen. Most families at that time would have been lucky to own a goat or a chicken. Owning an ox was like driving an SUV. And I put in here an SUV that's completely paid off and you don't have a loan on it, okay? (laughs) But having a 24 oxen was unthinkable. Elisha came from a family of means, but there's more to life than comfort and affluences And Elisha, rich as he was, recognized this. Elisha made a definitive move to be all in. Wealth wasn't going to woo him. Comfort wasn't going to hold him back. Elisha butchering the oxen and using the plow, remember, made out of wood, for his firewood indicates that he was breaking with the past, turning back to the old life was not gonna be left as an option. He was all in. Well, William Borden's life is an illustration of that. Let me tell you about this man. In 1904, William Borden graduated from a Chicago high school. As heir to the Borden family fortune, he was already wealthy. For his high school graduation parent, Present, his parents gave 16-year-old Borden a trip around the world. Now think of this. This is 1904. And they gave him a trip around the world for his graduation gift. I think that really speaks volumes to the wealth his family possessed. Well, as William traveled through Asia, the Middle East, and Europe, he felt this growing burden for the world's hurting people. This led him to write home about his Desire to be a missionary. A story often associated with Borden says that, or maybe I need to back up. Did I say a friend expressed a disbelief? No, I skipped that line, didn't I? Saying William was throwing his life away as a missionary. And so the story often associated with Borden says this in response. He wrote two words in the back of his Bible no reserves. Borden went on to attend Yale University as a freshman. He and a friend started a prayer meeting, just the two of them started it, but it quickly grew. And by the end of his first year, 150 freshmen were meeting together for Bible study and prayer. By that time Borden or by the time Borden became a senior, 1000 of Yale's 1300 students were in such groups. It's been observed, although he was a millionaire, William seemed to realize always that he must be about his father's business. And of course, he implied his heavenly father's business and not wasting time in the pursuit of amusements. He wrote in his personal journal these words, Say no to self and yes to Jesus every time. Upon graduating, Borden turned down some high paying job offers. It's been reported that in his Bible, Borden wrote two more words no retreats. Borden went on to graduate work, or do graduate work at Princeton Seminary. After finishing his studies, he sailed then for China, sensing God's call to minister to the Muslim Kansu people in China. William stopped first to Egypt to learn Arabic, and while there, he contracted spinal meningitis, and within a month, the 25-year-old William Borden was dead. When the news of William Whiting Borden's death was cabled back to the U.S., the story was carried by nearly every American newspaper, Mary Taylor wrote in her her introduction to his biography these words A wave of sorrow went around the world. Borden not only gave his wealth, but himself in a way so joyous and natural that it seemed a privilege rather than a sacrifice. Was Borden's untimely death a waste? Not in God's perspective. As the story has it, prior to his death, Borden had written two more words in the back of his Bible. Underneath the words, no reserves and no retreats, he is reported to have written, no regrets. The short article that I read on Borden doesn't tell how he became a a torch carrier, who passed it on to him, but surely someone had. How many men and women were impacted with the gospel message because of Borden's passionate pursuit of being about his father's business? Only God knows. Borden maybe wasn't even aware of all the times that he had passed the torch in his short life, but heaven knows. Turning back to our companion book, Elisha left behind a comfortable life to pursue God's calling on his life. The life he was choosing would be difficult. He would be challenged or be challenging powerful people and be hunted down by entire armies. He would live hand to mouth, sometimes not knowing where his next meal would come from. Elisha did not believe that following God would keep him well fed and wealthy. And he had no guarantees that things would turn out well that he would be rewarded in this life. He must have known the potential danger that he might encounter by choosing the narrow path. But Elisha chose it willingly because he valued the calling of God more than he valued the comfort of this world. Because of Elisha's willingness to be a vessel of God's power, God worked many miracles through him. Parting the water of the Jordan River, purifying the spring water at Jericho, multiplying the widow's oil, raising the Shunammite widow's son back to life, purifying the poisonous stew, multiplying the prophet's food, healing Nahum of leprosy, floating an ax head, seeing and praying for his servant to see the Lord's horses and chariots of fire surrounding the city of Dauphin and blinding the enemy soldiers of Aram. All because Elisha was willing to lay aside the comfortable life to pick up Elijah's cloak and receive the torch, to respond to the invitation to be the one who would carry the torch and pass it on. Well, as followers of Jesus, we too are called to be carriers of his light to hold the torch. The Apostle Paul lays out for us in Ephesians chapter 5 how we are to shine his light brightly. Imitate God in everything you do. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 2 says, Live a life, <coughs> live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. He loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. We are to live a life of love. Secondly, we're to live a holy life. Verse 3, Paul continues, Let there be no sexual immorality, impurity, or greed among you. Such sins have no place among God's people. Obscene stories, foolish talk, and coarse jokes, these are not for you. Instead, let there be thankfulness to God. Don't be fooled by those who try to excuse these sins, for the anger of God will fall on all who disobey him. Don't participate in the, in the things these people do. Third, carry the torch. For once you were full of darkness, but now you have light from the Lord, so live as people of light. For this light within you produces only what is good and right and true. We want to be people of integrity and of strong character as we carry the light of Christ. And if you're struggling in any of the areas or obviously if you've read the word of God, you know that Paul is not you know, laying it all out here in Ephesians for us. There are other things that we want to guard against as followers of Christ, that we would live a righteous light life as we carry his light. If we're struggling in any of these areas, we want to ask the Holy Spirit who dwells within us as followers of Jesus to help us to remove any of those things from our lives. Anything at all that would diminish the light of Christ from shining brightly from us. And then lastly, we want to pass the torch. Verse 14 says, For the light makes everything visible. That is why it is said, Awake, O sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. As we live this life of integrity and good, solid, godly character in front of the world, people will see that we live differently. We don't want to look longingly back at the past. We want to be all in just as Elisha was. Someone was willing to pass the torch to us. We now have the responsibility to be willing to pass and to continue to pass on the torch to anyone as God leads. As the Holy Spirit of God helps us to live with the light of Christ shining from us, the ways of the world are going to be brought into light. It helps people to see that there is a more excellent way to live, enabling us to pass the light of Christ to others. Elisha asked for a double portion of Elijah's spirit. He recognized that the task was too great for him to accomplish without help. Our task is too great for us to accomplish without help as well. We need the Holy Spirit to empower us to accomplish the task of carrying and passing the torch. We're going to have prayer at the end of service this morning. and Maybe you came in with a need. Maybe as you listen to the message, you realize, I need more of God's power in my life in order to equip me to be willing and bold to not only talk about my Christian faith with those around me, but to be able to pass on the torch for those that I'm to be investing in. If that's you this morning, I encourage you to to come forward for prayer before you leave this morning. But I'm going to close in prayer um, with a a prayer from our uh, weekly devotional This morning. So, if you would bow your heads with me. Dear Lord, we ask for the grace to be winsome and attractive to others who wish to know you better. May they sense the fragrance of Christ in us and see increasingly evidence of the fruit of your Holy Spirit in our lives. We know this is only possible as we pursue you and apprentice ourselves to Jesus by following him wherever he leads. Show us the people you want us to touch, that you want to touch through each of us and grant us the willingness to love and to serve them with no hidden agendas, no manipulative expectations, we wish to impart what you have so freely given to us to the people you have called us to bless. May we become a conduit of your love and grace and never an end in ourselves. We know that as we give ourselves to others, we will discover the true satisfaction, the spiritual wealth that you encourage us to pursue. That we would say yes to Jesus every time and know to self. Lord, help us to be people that will carry the torch in a way that honors and glorifies you to pass it on to the next generation as we share our faith and as we live out this life differently than the world in a way that they see and smell that fresh aroma, that sweet aroma of Christ in us. And may we bring you the glory and the praise and the honor that you deserve as you allow us to partner with you in furthering your kingdom here. We thank you for that privilege. In your powerful name we pray. Amen.